probably the reason for my success in making it through this career was balance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of The Squadroom. I'm your host, Garrett Teslaw. I'm an active duty police sergeant here in Southern California. This is an introduction to the introduction of sorts, and I have a couple things for you. First thing, one, please stop what you're doing and go to iTunes or open your browser and go to iTunes and leave us a review on the podcast page. What you have to do is you have to search for The Squadroom, and you can uh, leave us a review right there. Give us an honest review. Give us your feedback, but we'd appreciate it. As a listener of podcasts, um, the purposes of reviews are sort of obvious, uh, but also limited. But as the producer of a podcast, they are extremely beneficial in helping us get some um, exposure on iTunes and some attention and also help validate to some potential guests that uh, what we're doing is valuable to the audience. And I know it is because I keep hearing from all of you. That brings up point number two. If you're enjoying this and you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think we should have on, please email me at squadroompodcast at gmail.com. That's pretty simple. Squadroompodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Last bit, uh, I will introduce the guest here in the introduction. This is the introduction to the introduction. Uh, but he is uh, Ed Aceves, but his current job is working with RX Smart Gear, the maker of those pretty cool jump ropes. I have one at home. I've had one for about 18 months or so, two years, and I love it. And it's the only thing that's helped me get even remotely close to being able to accomplish double-unders. Uh, I learned that the Rogue speed ropes or any of those speed ropes were way too light for me. I needed something with a bit more whip to it, and the RX company uh, came through, and they make a great product. They're not a sponsor of this show. They didn't sponsor this episode. They're not doing um, anything long-term for us. But what they are doing is offering 15% off jump ropes for listeners of the squad room uh, because today's guest is uh, is their law enforcement liaison, and I thought that was pretty cool. So if you go over to rxsmartgear.com and you enter the co- code SQUADROOM15, that's SQUADROOM, all in caps, and 1515, uh, you'll get 15% off your order, and that's pretty cool. Lastly, I also want to, again, thank uh, Jeff over at Fresh Tracks Designs for hooking us up with that awesome Squadroom logo. If you or your union need T-shirts or a logo or some uh, promotional work done or you got a little side gig going, check him out, FreshTracks, T-R-A-X, design.com. He'll hook you up. He's a good dude, and he's a wicked CrossFitter. All right. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening, and on to the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 11 of the Squad Room. I'm your host, Garrett Teslaw. I'm a police sergeant with a sheriff's department in Southern California. And if this is your first listening of our uh, of our podcast, I encourage you to go back to episode one and you'll hear more about what we're trying to accomplish. Short version of it is uh, this is a, 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 a podcast that's devoted to optimizing the health, fitness and wellness of uh, peace officers, corrections and first responders all over, uh, well, all over the world, but mostly uh, we talk to people here in the United States. There's three uh, aspects to that. One is um, a documentary or a journaling of my journey back to fitness and getting uh, healthy again. 
and also talking and interviewing subject matter experts like we did in the last episode with Dr. Kirk Parsley and uh, Dr. Fay and Dr. Goodman and many others. And then uh, the third aspect of that or the third trifecta of this idea is uh, what we have today, which is talking with uh, other police officers, both active duty and retired, who have been successful in their careers and in successful in maintaining their fitness uh, through their career. So today's guest is Edda Sevis. He is the former police chief for La Mesa Police Department in Southern California in uh, San Diego County. He has over 30 years of law enforcement experience, and I'll let him go through his resume real quick for you. But Ed, welcome. Thank you, Garrett. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad this worked out. I. Uh, uh, we'll jump to your new job here in a little bit, but <laughs> okay. I saw an Instagram post uh, with you in it a couple months ago right. and um, uh, dug a little bit and found your email and thought, uh, coupled your, with your experience and uh, what you do now, uh, you'd, be a, you'd be a perfect guest and we exchanged some emails and lo and behold, you were coming through town uh, just at the right time. So thanks for being here. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I mentioned you were the former chief of police of La Mesa PD. Correct. Uh, can you maybe walk us through what your... Uh, your career path was what you've done or what you did. Sure. Did you spend all that time at La Mesa? And I did. Actually, I started in La Mesa as an intern back in 1982 and then uh, worked as a reserve officer for a year and then I was hired full-time at the end of uh, 85, uh, beginning of 86, and uh, there ever since um, did a lot of the same stuff that everyone does, you know, uh, work patrols and FTO, traffic, um, investigations, worked in the schools, which was a great experience. Then um, sergeant uh, in 97, and uh, as a sergeant, uh, did patrol for a few years and then went into uh, a little stint as a traffic sergeant. And then uh, lieutenant in 2002 and did that for four years and then made captain in 2005 and did that for six years and uh, then became chief in uh, 2011. And then just recently retired, as you mentioned, uh, about uh, four months ago. So this is my uh, new career of uh, not working. So <laughs> How's that going so far? Uh, so far, it's been way too easy. So I'm a little scared about that. It's been uh, it's been great doing a lot of traveling and uh, kind of reconnecting both with uh, family and friends that, uh, as all of you know, the job kind of steals from us sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really a, a great, uh, great first few months. You even uh, got to spend last week at the CrossFit Games, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Actually, I, I just went up on Sunday and... Uh, it was the uh, first time I've actually ever been there. I went to the California Regionals uh, in May, and first time I'd done that. And what an amazing experience. I mean, it. Uh, not to mention I was the oldest one probably in the stadium. Uh, <laughs> it's a very young person's game at this point with mm -hmm. the uh, the athletes. But uh, quite, what, what an amazing experience. Yeah. And, and La Mesa, just for people who don't know that area, it's in San Diego County. Correct. Right. It's about 10 square miles. Uh, we have 100 employees, uh, s about 70 officers, 30 uh, non-sworn. And um, it's right next to San Diego State University. We um, we actually work with them quite a bit when, when things uh, – uh, or when – Anyone needs help, I guess, either them or us, and uh, border San Diego PD on two sides of our city and sheriffs and Alcone PD on the other side. So uh, it's a nice community, has its share of issues, uh, mostly property-related crime, um, but 
it's uh, it was a great place to work. Yeah, well, and San Diego is never a bad place. No, to that's to, true. Right? That's true. And I, I, kind of a unique thing for me is I was born and raised in La Mesa, and so it's kind of a was unique that I was able to not only stay there but become the police chief there and went to uh, Helix High School, which um, I'm sure wasn't famous for me, but uh, Bill Walton, um, Alex Smith, Reggie Bush all went to this. They went to my high school. Yeah, so. don't sell yourself too short. You went <laughs> yeah. there too, right? So uh, I'm, we talked a little bit on the phone, and we talked a little bit by email, um, but your new job is with RX Smart Gear, which is – uh, a, well, mostly a jump rope. They're they're known for jump ropes, right. and, that, and that's what they do now. So, um, what struck me about your transition was you obviously have an emphasis that or a, or a, I don't put words in your mouth, but a passion for for fitness. Um, this is a hard career, and you did over thirty years. Right? How did you maintain a, a, a priority on fitness, or did you? Maybe that's even a better question. Is um, were there times where for fitness lagged and you had to seek it back or did you always maintain a, a priority on your fitness and how did you do that? So clarify one thing, work is probably, um, <laughs> probably not the right <laughs> word. I don't work. Uh, I do some work for RX. Um, but, uh, fitness is absolutely key. Uh, the owner of RX smart gear, uh, Dave Newman has been a longtime friend. We actually, I started at a CrossFit gym with him seven years ago when he made one of his first ropes. And so he had asked me through the years if I'd be interested in come and help teach for him and do some, uh, some training. And, uh, it's always been, you know, fitness has always for me been a, absolutely a passion. I started when I was 14 years old and I'm not sure I was trying to think about this on the way up here. I don't think I've missed more than a week since I was 14. I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, in our profession, I've always felt is probably one of the most important, more important than shooting, more important than driving is our physical fitness because it is um, really what keeps us alive uh, more than anything else. And so I've always been big into not only fitness, but in defensive tactics and martial arts. And so... To me, it's been one of those things that uh, I think has been key for me to successfully navigate through this career, not only physically and to come out at the end with really relatively few injuries, but also mentally as well to keep kind of the mental game sharp uh, through my career. Regardless of what position I was in, it, it always helped. What was it about um, when you started at 14? Were you really pushed into athletics, or did you find it by yourself, or was it just this? I, I played a little bit of baseball, but I all my very good friends played football in high school, and uh, I was one of those kids that my dad did not let me play football because he blew out two knees when he was in high school, and so he put it put the law down that I was not playing football. <laughs> so for me, yeah. So uh, all my buddies were playing, so I would I started actually in the summer of my freshman year uh, working out in the gym with them, and just totally got hooked then and um and never stopped and so i you know just love the way it made me you know feel as i was uh, growing up and health and was you know always fairly strong and um it was just enjoyable it was a good escape for whatever i was was in at the time mm -hmm. at la mesa did you guys have or do they have a either wellness program or a physical ability test that you have to pass so we have both actually really? we have uh, we have a physical um 
fitness program, but it's a voluntary program. So we use the FBI standards, so the mile and a half run, the flexibility, sit-ups, push-ups, the uh, stretch and reach. And so each one of those is categorized by points, and if you get, I think 40 is the top, level and if you get 35 to 40 we give the employee uh, 10 hours of leave time off and so you do this every quarter so you can get a week off free week a year wow Uh, what shocked me early on in my career when i was an officer because we've had this program for a long time uh, and how few people participated i mean we would go through some quarters where six people would go through the fit test and I'm like, it's a free week of time off, which we all love in, in this job. And so uh, it really, as I started moving up in in, uh, in the ranks, uh, the ironic thing is it doesn't apply to management. So I just did it for free uh, from lieutenant on, but uh, absolutely loved doing it. But it was always a key of try. how do we get more people involved? Because it benefits the agency and it benefits, obviously, the individual. And so that was uh, um, really a, a tough thing to do. One of the things that helped us in 2010, we moved into a brand new building with state-of-the-art equipment, all brand new. The city bought it all. And uh, that really increased not only participation in the gym, but also for people and our employees to then realize, wow, I can get some free time. So, and we picked up a lot of different coaches to kind of officers that are coaches to help everybody uh, navigate through that program. And uh, I think now you probably have 25 that on a regular basis participate, which is, I think is a great thing. It's about 30% of your sworn staff there, right? Yeah. And I've always been shocked why it's not 100%. I mean, it's free time off. You, because you even get points if you just show up and don't do well. Yeah. You know? So, but. It's hard to get cops to do anything. Yes, very true. <laughs> even when it's free. <laughs> very true. <laughs> so, uh, 30 years, I always like talking with um, uh, retired guys uh, who've got some perspective on the long view. Um, I'm 10 years in. And I don't see the I don't see that sure and just yet not yet but you know it's coming up uh, any uh, what what were your keys to uh, a successful obviously a successful career but also just completing it successfully does that make sense the, absolutely the, just the difference uh, I, I would say my goals and my probably the reason for my success in making it through this career was balance. And that's balance of work life, family life, and other life, whatever that happens to be. And and you have to have hobbies. You have to have things that you enjoy doing. Uh, And I've seen it over and over with those in this profession that don't have the third component. Typically, if you don't have the third, usually there's a mix of, you know, one of them is too much. One of either the work life or home life. Uh, and, uh, but you have to have something that you love to do the passion, whether it's, you know, I love playing softball, I love playing golf, working out. And the family life is putting, balancing all of that with what you want to do and what your goals are with work. And so I've always been good at that. My wife, uh, has made me good at that and she's made me better through the years. We've been just 
celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. So congratulations. Thank you. That was a, you know, a huge thing in this profession. Uh, and, uh, it's, you know, I truly believe that it's that balance that helped me along the way, because not only, as I mentioned earlier, as you're working with, you know, physically trying to make it through the career, but, you know, mentally and emotionally, uh, is just as important as you uh, navigate through this, uh, profession. Yeah. And I think, um, that's one reason I was excited to talk to you is because I have perspective from, uh, being a line officer to now a sergeant, but, uh, it seems to me that as you go, it doesn't get any easier in terms of the, 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 the mental acuity that's required, but also the uh, mental fatigue that can occur to you. I mean, you were a chief and I'm sure you've gotten, I know you've gotten the, you know, the, the late night phone calls right. and the, everyone's looking to you for the decision. And if you're not, uh, if, if you're not ready, uh, that's, that makes life a lot, a lot harder. Yeah. You know, I used, uh, so I got into CrossFit about seven years ago and, uh, it was a great escape for whatever I was doing at the time to just, because you can't think, uh, you can't count, yeah. you can't do anything, right? Can't, can't breathe sometimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so as the chief, uh, I would always, my goal was four times a week to make time, whether it was a 5 a.m. class, uh, I'd go do it at lunchtime or after work my goal was I had to do it because that was my one escape where I couldn't think about work for an hour. And, uh, it really, I will have to say in, in the three and a half, uh, years that I was chief, I, I was pretty much on target with at least sometimes it was three times a week, but in a lot of times it just depend on what it was. You know, I had a, you have great plans as we all do as cops, right? Oh, I'm going to work out at noon today and then all hell breaks loose and, and you don't go in at noon, but it was one of my goals. And I knew that it was in my best interest and quite frankly, my employee's best interest that I had that time away, uh, to then when I was at work to, you know, fully be immersed and, and work on that. So you just said something really interesting. Can you maybe expand on that about sure. how in your employee's best interest? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, a uh, any supervisor, administrator, police chief does not matter. Uh, when you're at work, you really need to be all in, and that's all in with you know not kind of the family issues, all the things that occur outside of our job that really kind of bring us down. I, w- I was huge uh, believer, and when I go to work, my employees should not know if I'm having a bad day, if I have an issue at home. And so you have to put that face on. And part of that is that mental toughness, I believe is what it is to, to not let that stuff drag you down. And I think it's in their best interest to be led by, again, supervisors or uh, managers that, you know, it's, we used to joke with some employees that, oh, it's a red flag day. Don't, you know, don't bother Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not the way, you know, you want to be supervised and that's not the way you should be supervising. And so I always believe that, you know, being mentally fit when you showed up to work meant that you were all in and it was about what you were doing for the employees. Not, um, it's not about you. Do you see a direct 
correlation between physical fitness and me- and mental fitness, or do you think there's separate issues that have to be addressed separately? I think I think a little bit of both. Quite frankly, the I think the physical fitness part, and that's why I really fell in love with CrossFit because it helped me with the mental part of it, the mental toughness part of you know my livelihood uh, because there are times in the gym where you don't think you can finish a workout and then you tell yourself you can't quit I mean we we can't quit if we're in a bad fight in the streets or you know whatever the 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 situation may be and so I do think that it helps build mental toughness I think the if we're talking mental as far as mental health and mental wellness, there are some separations, but I do believe the physical fitness can really help uh, with the the mental part of it. Do you have or did you have um, any sort of a mental, sounds funny, men, a mental, I don't know how to phrase it, mental fitness regimen similar to your uh, physical fitness, you said four times a week was a must for you. Was there a episode six? We talked about meditation and maybe right. trying, just trying it and seeing if that can maybe give us some, some I'd centeredness. S- yeah. I'd say the best thing for my mental health through my career has been my wife. I mm-hmm. mean, she's kept me grounded. She, um, she was a dispatcher for, uh, almost 30 years. And, uh, so she, never had any trouble telling me where to go uh, <laughs> but uh, she was well, always, that work ended ex- exactly <laughs> she was always great at keeping me grounded with as to one what is important kind of what you know focuses should be and uh, it was a great kind of you know checks and balance for me to be able to uh, to come home and have someone that really understood the profession the job and really what you know I was trying to achieve. So that's a good transition then for me to ask well, my next question, which was um, what have you done? And you just touched on a little bit, but what have you done or what do you, what, what would you suggest to a new officer uh, as tips for maybe mitigating that toll that, the, that it takes on the family? Cause you have children too, right? And they're grown now. I do. But yes. They, they are grew grown. up with you in the job. What, what, what would you sit, sit a young guy down and say, look, you're about to get married. You're going to have right. kids. Here's what you need. Here's what you well, need to do. I, a couple things. I'll go back in time a little bit. I think our profession has totally screwed up, uh, taking care of our cops on the mental health side through the years. You know, in my, uh, early times as an officer, you would go through a traumatic incident and it was, you know, hit you on the shoulder, suck it up and go 10, eight. You know, go back and go do your police work. Uh, and there was never really opportunities for employees to, you know, go see counseling, talk to other, you know, peer support wasn't even around when I was a, a young cop. And I saw in my agency probably a half a dozen of my friends that lost their job ultimately, whether it's through retirement, medical retirement, through losing their job because of the lack of support that agencies has provided. So we're still way behind as, uh, as a profession and we need to really do a lot better job. The good news is, is that the younger cops coming up, what I see is a more willingness to accept help more than the baby boomers like myself that, you know, I just, I loved riding a police car by myself. If I was given a partner for a day, hated it. 
it's the other way it seems with the younger generation they love kind of partnering up they're okay with seeking help or asking for guidance and i think that that's great and that will help them so kind of a long-winded answer is my advice for young officers is don't wait too long if you go through a critical incident there's hundreds of people before you that have been through something similar they can help you get through it they can show you or tell you what is to expect what can happen and don't be afraid to seek assistance hopefully nowadays most agencies have some type of eap uh, counseling program and uh, at least resources that make it available for employees and i highly encourage them to 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 you know accept that or seek it out we need to do a better job though as a profession in this arena and uh, in california you know we have posts and i was thinking about this actually on the way up here knowing that i was going to talk to you and you know we have we work so hard every two years on perishable skills which we consider driving defensive tactics and shooting well isn't fitness a perishable skill and we don't talk about it we don't deal with it what do we do when you first come in to be a cop we have you do a fitness test right we have you jump a wall we have you do all kinds of running jumping and academy they kick your butt and you're running all the best shape you're probably ever in is in the academy absolutely and then we stop and then we don't care anymore we don't care as an agency we don't care as a profession and you have the guys driving that have that are overweight and it hurts me when I see that, when I see officers that are awake for them, because I know that uh, I, I've had a great experience in my agency with two cops in particular that were overweight, probably about uh, 40 to 50 pounds overweight, and both of them came to me and asked for some assistance. And so I did some programming for them, uh, and uh, both of them lost significant amount of weight and actually are in really good shape now. And it's great to see and to hear them about what it's like wearing a uniform when you're 50 pounds overweight compared to now is amazing. And I mean, it really does make you feel good. And I would love that for everybody. And I think that, you know, until as a profession, we make it a priority, it's going to be up to each individual cop. You know, you have to shoot once a quarter. Some people detack once a quarter, but what do you have to do other than, unless you make SWAT, you know, do a quarterly fit test. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think it it is part of some of the changes that need to be made in this profession, quite frankly. So when those two officers came to you, what, were you chief at the time? Were you a captain? I was, uh, I actually was a brand new chief and we had, uh, just moved into our new building. So we had great equipment, uh, some CrossFit equipment. We had treadmills, we had bikes, uh, machines. We had, mm-hmm. fortunately I was a project manager and that was a key priority for me <laughs> was making sure the gym was right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I had offered it a couple times to employees. Matter of fact, there's a couple employees that at our PD that are very much into CrossFit. And so we did kind of an intro night and said, hey, and I went through my uh, level one cert back in 2009, I think it was. And um, so we offered and a couple people uh, slowly took us up on it. And so what I would do, at least for everybody who was interested, and they didn't have to come in with me, but just program on the wall 
and uh, we had whiteboards all over and so I let you know the weightlifters use one part and whoever else use another part and and then we would take one part of the whiteboard and uh, and program every day so we'd usually do a week at a time because sometimes I couldn't get in there in mm-hmm. the morning or whatever but uh, and they seemed to love it so so here's I think a, an important point for a lot of people that that might be timid about asking for help right, right. from your it, it's hard to ask for help and, there, and, and that and that's an ego kick to anybody but to go above your rank and ask for help uh, I think intimidates a lot of people and um, they think that the lieutenant or the chief or the captain is going to think less of me for asking for help and I don't think that's the case I think the majority of management is going to be appreciative of the self-awareness right but also see the proactiveness or the desire to change and, and look at that look at that as a positive aspect of that person. Is you that, know, I, I would, you're right on, but here's the, here's what I realized when um, no one really cares what you do and cares about you when you're a captain, but it's when you become chief, all of a sudden it's like, you know, everyone wants to hear what you have to say. And I was just a dumb you know, two weeks ago as I am now as a chief, right? <laughs> so when I was, I was just amazed at, and so it, it did have a huge impact on some of our officers, like secretly saying, hey, you mentioned that you would offer, but I really don't want other guys to see or, mm. you know, uh, other employees to see. Can we, you know, maybe just slip me a note of what a workout should be, text me, whatever. And, you know, it. I realized that, wow, it's, you know, I mean, we're our own worst enemy kind of with, um, we offer help, but they're afraid because they're afraid of what their peers may think of them if they go to a lieutenant or captain or a chief. And so that's an unfortunate part of our business, but, um, you know, it does happen. So I had to figure out ways to work around that. And so I would, uh, we had some sergeants and actually some officers too, that were very good at CrossFit. So we'd kind of funnel some information through them and get it out that way, which, uh, made it work. And the other thing that became very interesting for me is, you know, uh, when, again, when you're a captain and you're big into CrossFit, no one really cares, but when you become the chief, all of a sudden, you know, people want to say, Oh, you know, if you don't do CrossFit, you are not going to get promoted or you're not going to do this. And that's just garbage. But, that's, you know, it's in people's mindset that if you want to get in good with the chief, then you better, you know, don't be a runner, don't be this. And I used to tell them, all my employees all the time, I don't care if you do Pilates, I don't care if you walk, yoga, I care what you do, you just need to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, CrossFit works for me, and I get it, it doesn't work for everybody. Sure. And, uh, but for, uh, you know, my DNA, it works great. And so people just need to find what's good for them. And the great thing about our department was we had a lot of different experts in certain areas. So I had a lieutenant and a sergeant that were very good runners and they'd offer all the time to train people up. And so we had at one point, I think, uh, 12 to 15 people did a half marathon. Wow. And uh, so it was really a neat thing to see and, and uh, had a couple weightlifters that, you know, offered assistance. And so it wasn't just CrossFit, but that's what I always had to worry about is that if the chief says this and, you know, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's now a mandate. And, mm-hmm. and, but you deal with that with pretty much everything you do and, and, when you're at that rank because, 
you know, people believe it's the law when you say it. So you just have to be careful what you say. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're being watched. Right. Yeah, as much Absol- as a, Absolutely. And that goes uh, any level of, of leadership. But True. as you go more, that, that pool expands. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we talk about leadership. I, I'd like to delve into that a little bit. Sure. Um, uh, you've held a, a, a lot of different ranks from, you know, line level supervisor all the way up. What um, what are the key lessons maybe you learned or the things that you would want to impart? I mean, you have a successor, obviously. They didn't right. walk away with the chief. Um, were, there, were there, were there if, if obviously he has experience, but if, if it were someone, okay, let's do it this way. I'm, I'm a sergeant. I just got promoted to your job for whatever. I don't know how that happened, but run. What, what would you <laughs> sit me down? What would you sit down and tell a new a new leader? Are the are your important at things? Well, I, you know, leadership is a. Uh, I mean, we could probably have a whole podcast just talking Absolutely, about yeah, uh, yeah. leadership. But uh, I've always been, you know, a firm believer in decision making. Obviously, is very important, and uh, I've you know studied some leadership as I've grown up in, in my career and studied it either through, you know, academics or even just watching. And I think we all, we can all pick immediately who is your worst supervisor. I mean, in a second, you could throw a name out right now. Don't do it because they may be listening, <laughs> right? I don't want you to do it, Garrett, and get in trouble. Um, Appreciate that. Thank you. But... And then when you ask, what is it that you didn't like about that leader? You know, things like uh, they didn't care. Um, you know, they were, you know, a jerk. They only cared about themselves. And so when you talk about good leadership, uh, and, and I do this all the time. I teach a couple of classes, uh, university classes on management and leadership. And when I ask them to to think, okay, who's your best supervisor? Sometimes that takes a little bit, which is sad. But, and then when you talk about the things that make a good leader a good leader, it's usually compassion, caring, you know, things that don't really have anything to do with our job. It's how we do and treat people. And so regardless if you're a sergeant, lieutenant, captain, chief, it doesn't really matter. You have to really care about the organization and the position that you're in. Kind of my, one of the things I used to talk to my staff about is don't make decisions for you, make it for the agency. And, you know, I love sports and, and I've always been big into sports and and kind of the big thing for, you know, one of the, the um, sports sayings is, you know, don't play for the name on the back of your jersey, play for the one that's on the front of your jersey. And that, to me, is really the essence of good leadership and supervision, that if you make all your decisions based on that, that you care what's in the good of the agency, usually you'll do pretty well. It's when you start thinking about what's in it for me. And, you know, we mentioned earlier about, you know, people watching more and more. The higher you go up the ranks, the more scrutiny that employees put on you and watch you. Oh, he did this or she did that or... And the public, I might interject. Absolutely. And when you become chief, trust me, there is all kinds (laughs) of of targets, you know, and and people watching you. And it's within your agency. It's, you know, the community. It's politicians, other city uh, departments. And so you really have to uh, not give 
uh, those individuals ammunition. And whenever, if you look at anything that's gone wrong in our business, it's usually the decisions that were made in the best interest of that person, not the organization in most cases. And so, you know, when we, I, new supervisors come to me all the time and say, Hey, you know, I, I want to be a sergeant. And my first question is why? And I usually get that blank look like, well, it's more money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but when we kind of delve down into why it's like, well, you know, I, I think I can help. And, you know, the whole mentoring and developing is a key part of what we do, but you're working for that agency. You're a piece of that supervision puzzle. And if you look at a lot of the critical incidents that happen throughout that usually go bad for law enforcement, there's a lack of supervision. Someone didn't do their job somewhere whether it's a sergeant, lieutenant, could be the chief or the captain, someone messed up and they did not do a very good job because, again, the decisions that were made typically weren't in the best interest, uh, interest of the agency or the city. And, you know, to me, that is really uh, one of the keys to, to good supervision. Now, there's a lot of other things, obviously, that make you and your decision-making style, your, you know, how you get along with people, uh, the you have to be as a supervisor and as you work your way up it gets worse and worse but like a chameleon I mean you have to you I can't treat if I'm your supervisor I can't treat you the same way I do the person that's sitting in the chair next to you at briefing sure because you respond differently to commands to uh, instructions and so you have to start you have to you know almost like you're a sociologist you have to learn everyone's little idiosyncrasies and you have to care and if you can do all that then you can kind of navigate through the you know leadership roles it's unfortunate though in our profession i think we we lack a lot of really good leaders and um you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but a lot of it is probably on our testing processes for the positions. I think that lacks and is, you know, we go so much by book knowledge and it's not about book knowledge. It's, a, it's you know, kind of in the heart, if mm -hmm. you will, and um, need to figure out how to test for that, I guess. So. That's, yeah. Uh, on the point you just made, too, I, I had a senior deputy, our equivalent of like a corporal, uh, come to me uh recently and i and I, I told him kind of what you said was that uh, you, you can't treat everyone equally and he didn't understand what that meant and i said you have to treat them all fairly right but you can't treat them equally i can't talk to my 18 year veteran the same way that i would uh a brand new rookie who just finished the academy and ex and also expect the same things from them in terms of their competency right so you have to treat them fairly in terms of what they do but not necessarily equally um and to me the the there seems to be a real reluctance to mentorship. And I think that maybe that's fear due to the civil service system. seems like, Oh, we, we can't, we can't show favorites and mentoring is a favorites thing because now, now Johnny's our guy. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to find a way to, to implement more of that and, uh, for people coming up, but also just for, for my sake as, as a, as a frontline guy going like, Hey, I have this situation I've never encountered before. You know, how would you suggest it? Right. You know, there are those people out there, of course, but, um, some formalized system for people would be would no be and I, th I agree that's uh, it's key that uh, because most of the situations as young supervisors and really in any position 
get handed. Someone's dealt with that before. And so you need to figure out a system within an agency that allows makes it okay to go seek assistance and to go seek help without thinking, oh, you're jumping the chain of command or, you know, you're just trying to kiss up for the next promotion mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever ridiculous things that we think of sometimes in, in our business. And, uh, and I, it's key that we help develop, uh, especially the good leaders help develop other new good leaders. And, and there is, it is difficult because how do you spend a lot of time with one person? Maybe you see they have great qualities, but as you said, if you spend a lot of time with them, what's the kickback going to be? It's going to be, oh, that's Garrett's guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his boy. No, no wonder he got promoted. And so right. yeah. it's it's a double-edged sword because um, we in our profession are are clearly our own worst enemies. <laughs> did you? Did you uh, yes, we are. Did your uh, leadership style change at all, or did it have to change as you went up? Yeah, it, it definitely did. You know, I look back now at like some decisions or things on how I um, supervise as a sergeant or lieutenant. I'm like, ooh, ooh, uh, that wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> and it is, you know, the I hate to use this, but I'm going to use it anyways. But when they talk about the big picture, right? When when you hear supervisors or, or Maybe someone cap, hey, you don't see the big picture. Uh, it is true. And what I try to explain to my staff, so sergeants, lieutenants, captains, is that as a sergeant, think of that big picture as just a small, you know, it's, it's almost like one slice of pie. You have your squad, you're dealing with your issues. And then as a lieutenant, you typically have two squads, you know, two or three sometimes. And so you're, you're, Uh, vision has expanded a little bit more and as a captain you typically have half the pie because you'll have one division or the other depending on how big your agency is or divisions and so you're going to see a little bit more and then as a chief you not only get to deal with the pie of the agency you get to deal with the pie of the community and the politicians and so how i do things or did things as a chief uh, i looked back at some of the things that i did as a young sergeant or young lieutenant and go Okay, I, and it has helped me to to try to teach or mentor other people. One of the big things, especially as a new supervisor, is this you know buddy to boss. Uh, I worked in a squad that I was very good friends with everyone on my squad. We were, we all worked together for four years, and then I got promoted and got put in charge of that squad. And I think about some of the things I did back then. I'm like, you know, it probably wasn't the best supervision, but, um, it happens. And so we have to figure out how to, you know, navigate through some of those difficult, um, things. And then as a Lieutenant, you're now in management and uh, that's a whole nother, um, set of issues that you have to deal with because you're, and and I don't mean this disparagingly, but you're almost like a misfit because you're not one of the guys with the sergeants and with the patrol officers. And you're not really one of the guys with the upper management. And so you're kind of trying to figure out your way and navigating in between that. And so uh, it, it can be a difficult transition for a lot of sergeants. So, um, To me, it seems, too, that uh, followership is a big part of, of leadership. Absolutely. I mean, on both sides. So from my level, um, followership in the sense of, of, of doing what is best for the agency and not the best for me, but also I may disagree with the, the path that we're taking, but to get the buy-in from the squad, I need to demonstrate that I'm committed to it regardless. Right. And that goes all the way up. I mean, like how, how as the chief though, 
do you kind of instill that followership down? So it's kind of goes back to what we talked about with, you know, my supervision decisions as, as a younger. I realize now as a younger cop or supervisor why some of the decisions were made that were made that I didn't understand back then. I thought we're all screwed up just like everyone else does, right? But as you now have the full picture, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. why they did what they did back then. And and so what I tried to do with decision-making and when I made a decision that sometimes wasn't so popular is one of the groups I had in the in our department was a, a chief's advisory committee, which was all just line-level employees, no supervision. And so when there was one of these things that we would meet and I'd say, hey, here's here's why we did what we did. Here's how the process, you know, it wasn't made in a vacuum. We didn't flip a coin. You know, we didn't go <laughs> through the alphabet, you know, things like that. The top three, but, uh, top three reasons it, line it, thinks it, that you it, did something. It, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so I would at least be able to not only answer their questions, but give them reasons why decisions were made. And then they would go then and, and kind of in their own way, regurgitate that to, to all the employees and mm-hmm. seemed to work out pretty well for me in our agency and um, it was a good way to to really get information out there and to at least give people that understanding of why a decision was made. I like that. I I, I don't think I've heard of that before. I'm sure it exists. I just haven't heard of it before. Where there's uh, that. Yeah, it's you know I'm I'm a genius clearly and thought of it myself. <laughs> I so. was that was I was getting to that. <laughs> we have. Uh, we ours is ours the equivalent of ours is our SWAT team, okay. I guess, because uh, they will usually go into them and because you know it's it's a large group, right? And say, hey, uh, go go tell everybody else, right? And so they go off and <laughs> say, nice. I guess it works. Yeah, it works all right. So uh, retired now for a little bit, correct? Uh, out traveling around. I mean, you're you're up here visiting uh, for the night anyway, right? Uh, giving you time to reconnect, I imagine, and, and do some of those things you mentioned with family and friends. Um, what, what are your priorities now? Well, um, a couple actually is, uh, fitness is still a a very high priority. I mean, I work out usually every morning and, uh, you still go to a box. I do. You want to go to a shout out CrossFit East County in, uh, El Cajon. Uh, Paul Flores is the owner there that, uh, been, we've, gone to three different gyms now we started out a little strip mall and then went to a bigger box now it's like i don't know eight thousand square feet it's it's huge but uh probably uh, one of the best trainers uh as far as crossfit goes just very patient and uh, very good himself Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been just uh, a joy to work with and uh and uh so that it's a huge priority usually work out in the mornings and um uh, brought even on this trip in the motorhome, brought a kettlebell and an ab mat and my jump ropes. And so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, no matter where I'm at can easily do a, a decent workout with that equipment. I think my, the hardest thing about, uh, working out in San Diego for me would be that you're surrounded by all the best West coast. IP. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You've got a lot of good stuff in That's Escondido true. and stone. And so a lot of things we do time. is we'll just bring a cooler beer to the gym. So yeah. that way no just, one's, you know, and then you just have a beer after you work out. There you so, go. Um, That's great. Um, and now, uh, you're doing something with RX, uh, called the Donuts and Double Unders Tour. What is what is that? I so like the name. That, yeah, Dave Newman, or the donuts owner. Donuts for Do- Double Unders. Right. Dave Newman, the owner, came up with that one. Actually, he sent out a 
because God knows I have no idea what a Twitter is or uh, <laughs> Facebook or any of those things. But uh, he sent, uh, when I agreed to come and do some training for him, sent out a, um, a tweet, I guess, and uh, or an Instagram uh, also and said that I was going to do this um, Donuts for Double Unders tour. And his kind of idea was to just travel around to law enforcement gyms mm-hmm. and provide any type of uh, double under training or any type of training that they needed uh, or equipment and kind of work my way through the country. So we're slowly going to start that. Um, I've been doing my own traveling the last few months. And so probably September, October, we'll start doing some of that. I've actually been in contact with uh, IACP to maybe do some wellness stuff for them as well. At the National uh, Association Chiefs Police. Right? Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's and uh, there are conferences in October in Chicago, so we may do something up there. I've been to a couple of uh, law enforcement gyms. We were up at L.A. Uh, uh, Sheriff's, their um, Special Enforcement Bureau, their SWAT team, uh, they had a competition up there two weekends ago, and so we went up and supported them. And... and uh, uh, the the Newmans who run RX are very pro law enforcement, and uh, anything that they can do to help out uh, this profession is uh, really important to them. And so they've kind of sent me on that quest to see what people need and to see what they want. And so they do uh, kind of what we do, or the business does, is goes out and does two-hour double-under clinics to teach people kind of the fundamental basics of how to do a double-under because it's obviously a very technical uh, exercise in CrossFit. And so, uh, and it's probably one of the few things I've actually figured out how to do. And it took a, it took a while, but uh, figured it out. And so it's uh, a lot of fun to go out and teach people and to see kind of things click in their head and, and just give them some real basic uh, instruction on, on how to do double under. And then uh, a lot of it afterwards is practice for them, but um, you get to see a lot of uh, PRs for people when we're doing the clinics. And so my goal is um, towards the latter end of this year is to start figuring out what law enforcement gyms are interested and in, just start working our way through the country and, um, You'll have to come have back up here because I can't get a double under. You can't. Oh, I, I think my PR that, is like then. eight. Well, you'll have to twist my arm to come back to, to Santa Barbara because it's really yeah, right. it's, it's so tough. Yeah, over but here, a free so. plug for RX. I yeah. didn't get that. I didn't even get eight until I got an RX. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. So that nice. helped a lot. And Very that's just good. an honest, honest, uh, honest now, plug it's there. A, it is a. Uh, it's. I tell you what's. Talk about RX just for a little bit. What's been so cool for me is that uh, Dave came up with this whole idea. We. We all bought jump ropes, and this is seven or eight years ago, uh, bought jump ropes at Sports Authority or Big Five, and he figured out that if you could, he'd break the handle open and then just messed and put some ball bearings and little washers inside the uh, handle, it would make it spin faster. And that's really how he kind of came up with this whole concept of of developing the uh, RX jump rope. And uh, so he tweaked all of ours in the gym early on you know like i say about seven years ago and then he started ordering parts from all over and kind of actually putting them together and it's developed through the years but now i mean it's ridiculous how i mean he has a full warehouse with probably 25 employees and uh uh, you know, RX is all over the place. Yeah. With uh, they went to every regional event, uh, even one in Australia and and um, Denmark. And so, 
it's great to see his business go from literally the back of his truck at the gym to his living room to now, yeah. you know, a big warehouse. And they're they're great people. So it's it's been fun to be a little bit a part of it and, and now hopefully be a little bigger part of it. And Yeah. In fact, there's uh, a guy I really hope to get on the show is an RX-sponsored athlete is John Para. Oh, John's a great guy. Who just finished the games right. and is a full-time L.A. deputy sheriff. Correct. And he, he killed it out there. Yeah. I, I just blown away. I blow. I I, didn't, I honestly didn't know his, who he was. I'd seen right. his photos and all the RX gear, but I didn't know he was a cop until this year. And uh, watching what he did, and I, so I got to get him on. And maybe I was just like, "How does he do that? How how he's got? I think he's got two kids. He's Correct. married, and he does like he finished regionals. His wife or somebody posted something. He finished regionals, and then went to work the next day and did a sixteen hour shift. Yeah, he he is an amazing athlete. I, I've had the great opportunity to meet him a couple times, and uh, it was a lot of fun seeing him compete uh, over the weekend. Uh, it, it is amazing. Matter of fact, we he was at uh, the uh, RX facility probably a month or two ago doing a photo shoot and um, showing off all of his uh, muscles that he has, and uh, and I was talking to him about. It. I'm like, how do you how do you do it? And, you know, part of what he works in the jails, which makes it a little bit easier right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, but still, I mean, yeah. it you know, you're working, like you say, 12, 16 hour shifts in the jails. And then, you know, trust me, these guys work more than, you know, one out, work out more than one hour a day. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so it it is a, a it is really cool. I think it's great for the profession. Absolutely. To, to see. And, and uh, he came up. When I went to the uh, sh- L.A. Sheriff's uh, SWAT competition, he came out there to support. Uh, and so it was really neat to see also all the L.A. Sheriff's guys, you know, kind of rally around him as well. And, sure. you know, he's he um, really is – and he's a great guy, a great family. And uh, I know that uh, RX is proud to, to sponsor him. And um, uh, he's, he's definitely a great role model for a lot of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he went to the – went to the top of the heap when i when i when i just learned all that about right because again i was like flabbergasted like how 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 right. i got two kids too but i can't seem to get it right yeah. but he does like why not <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, i'm relatively intelligent <laughs> kind of anyway so i have two questions left before uh okay. I'll let you get back to your vacation uh you mentioned working out in the mornings do you have a morning routine other than working out or is that just it or and also do you have a nighttime routine uh so Typically, my morning routine is uh, whatever the prescribed workout happens to be at the gym. At uh, usually, usually I go in at eight a.m. and um, and then the evenings. Right now, it's really all about family, and uh, we hang out and go do stuff. My daughter just finished college, and so she's living with us still. And so the the my wife and I and her um, usually palling around together, doing all kinds of fun stuff, and um, and. Uh, doing some traveling and my other daughter is a school teacher in milwaukee and uh, she has um during the summer she was off so we got to spend a week we all went to hawaii together oh, nice. it was a lot of fun and and uh but no no real routine per se um people ask me all the time what do you do during the day and i'm just like <laughs> i don't know i just i wake up work out and the day's over by the time i know it but uh it's um it that attention to your fitness is there every day. Absolutely. And it's, and it's yeah. still there. Yeah. Uh, another question I like to ask people sometimes, uh, 
and we didn't talk about this at all, but I'm just always curious what books people are reading or that people have read or, or maybe a book that you've gifted to some of your, uh, the people you've worked with. Um, there's, uh, a few of them. Um, I'm, uh, right now I'm reading some just fiction stuff just cause it's fun to just kind of get away. Just some, um, but, uh, I, I've actually got hooked a little bit on the, um, I'm on Killing Patton right now. That mm-hmm. um, can't remember his name. Bill off O'Reilly, right? Bill O'Reilly, yeah. yeah. And so I, I've read the other. I just read Killing Jesus and uh, Killing Kennedy and Killing Lincoln, and so uh, very interesting um, historical perspectives from from their research. And um, but um, sheesh, um, I'm trying to think of some of the books that I've uh, handed down. But uh, as typically happens when you retire, my mind's going completely blank. So. Well, you're on vacation too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm on an eternal vacation. That's nice. Yeah, that sounds yeah, nice. Definitely. Thank you, Ed, for your time. Appreciate this. I think uh, a lot of great information uh, and just discussion on uh, the importance of, of being committed to it throughout your career. You're a great example of of, of doing that. I, I, I mentioned John Perez as the guy as a guy who's like, wow, he does it. How does he do that? And, and I think he's even, he's younger than me, but at the same time, I'm, I, I have a foot in both worlds of, right. of seeing the end of my career reasonably in sight and I don't want to end up broken and battered. And, uh, you're, you're a good role model for that as well. So thank you. No, I appreciate it. It was, uh, I was, uh, honored to even be asked to do this. And, uh, as we were driving up here, my wife turned to me and said, why the hell does he want to talk to you? <laughs> I said, I don't know. He's obviously ran out of, uh, <laughs> ran episode out of 11. He's already out of ideas. <laughs> exactly. No, not at so, all. Not no, at all. It's, it was an honor to do this and I'm glad we were able to work it out. And uh, anything I can do for you personally, your agency or any of the people that are listening, um, please let me know. Uh, I have an easy email. It's ed at rxsmartgear.com. And if you need anything or if you need anything through RX or anything at all, or just want to talk fitness, uh, give me a buzz. Excellent. I'll make sure that we put all that in the show notes too. Okay. And we'll put uh, links to those book you, books you just mentioned and some of the other things we talked awesome. about there awesome. as well. All right. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Garrett. Appreciate it.